Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Matthew Wolnowitz. Matt, are you ready to do this? I am, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Matt has over 20 years of experience in financial services, having spent seven years with Morningstar, and he is now the president of FI360, an organization whose vision is to have all investors wealth managed by a fiduciary. I'm excited to have you on. Matt, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. Sure, George. I'm uh, I'm a proud father of uh, three wonderful kids and an awesome wife, um, and we've been married for uh, just over 23 years. So uh, all's great on the uh, all's great on the home front. Uh, nice. On the professional front, um, you know these are very interesting times in the financial services industry. There's been some regulation that came out from the Department of Labor a year ago that um, recently has uh, been struck down in the courts um, and in the political environment currently today of the um, deregulation environment, it it definitely um, has the impact on individual investors. Um, So at FI360, we're a firm that was founded 99 to, as you mentioned, to bring a fiduciary duty of care to end investors so that at the end of the day, they can make more informed decisions about how their retirement assets and their wealth assets are allocated. So whenever it is that they want to retire or whatever financial goals that they want to reach, we enable their financial advisors to provide fiduciary guidance to, uh, to those end investors. Excellent. Well, I know that FI360, like you mentioned, has been around since 1999. So this conversation and the belief of the knowledge of how important a fiduciary is to a successful client advisor relationship is not a new thing to you. Um, You've been working on it for a long time. That being said, I feel like I am at peak fiduciary talk right now ever since the, uh, (laughs) just like you mentioned, a year ago, the, the, the rule was was talked about and then it was enacted and then the court struck it down. So I think that this is a really timely conversation because um, I'm hoping that we can sort of cut through the noise and help people really understand what a fiduciary really is, why it's important, all those kinds of questions. So, Sure. Perfect. Yeah. It's an interesting point that you bring up because I don't think that there's um, ever been a point in time where there's more general awareness amongst the um, the average investing population about what a fiduciary is. There's several big firms that launched big advertising campaigns, George, just to highlight on the benefits of being a fiduciary. But one of the, you know, one of the biggest challenges that investors face is that um, they would assume that their financial advisor uh, is required by law to operate in their best interest. And unlike a doctor or an attorney or your accountant, that necessarily isn't the case in the financial services industry. And so the idea of being a fiduciary is really about doing what um, is in the investor's best interest. Um, the, the standard that, that 
exists in the marketplace, though, is one that's known as suitability, which means that the financial advisor just has to make a suitable recommendation for the investor. It doesn't necessarily have to be in their best interest. And so between um, the difference in suitability and fiduciary, there also are, um, or there also is the opportunity for firms to use disclosure um, to put all these printed documents in front of the investor um, to uh, to somehow mitigate the fiduciary risk. And you know, as I'm sure that you know, um, as we receive all these disclosures in the mail, 99% of people don't even begin to read them. And even if they do read them they can't understand them. And so the difference between a fiduciary standard and a, and a suitability standard of care is pretty significant. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense just talking about it. And 100%, I, I can't even imagine how many folks out there actually read that mountain of paperwork or, to your point, could really understand it. So, okay. So from, from a level setting... Being a fiduciary means that you're legally bound to act in the best interest of your clients, but the industry itself is not necessarily, that's not what's going on in financial services. It's... That's correct. Okay. So how do I know? So, okay. So not everyone is a fiduciary. Um, Can everyone be a fiduciary? They could be. Um, The difference is that they would have to um, they would have to take uh, the fiduciary status. So they would have to operate in their client's uh, best interests versus just making recommendations that are suitable for that client and the objectives that they want to, uh, that they want to achieve. So absolutely, everybody could be a fiduciary if they wanted to. Okay. And I know that whenever a big rule is put into effect. Um, you, you mentioned a year ago, um, this fiduciary standard was, was, was going to go into effect. And that caused a lot of companies to sort of, I don't want to say scramble, but it caused them to make some decisions, some of them I would imagine tough, as to, in, in order to comply. So are all companies set up to allow their advisors to be fiduciaries? Or how 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 is this potentially impacted their their means of doing business that's a great question you know we've we've seen firms uh we've seen firms all over the board so there are firms that have really always uh been um fully embraced the fiduciary standard and really have required any of the their advisors to operate in a fiduciary matter to on the other end of the spectrum firms that uh feel that suitability is strong enough and they've allowed their their reps to work under the suitability standard you know we definitely saw over the past year firms invested a tremendous amount of time and money to um, prepare to meet the minimum legal regulatory requirement which was that if you advised on a retirement plan or um, individual investors who were taking money out of their retirement plan and rolling it over to that advisor they were going to be subject to the fiduciary standard of care. So um, the vast majority of firms, I would say, George, are, are were very prepared and ready and had spent the money and invested in the technology to uh, enable their advisors to do that. Since the rule has, um, you know, basically been defeated and dismantled in court, um, there is one more chance 
um, although it is slim, that it could be appealed to the Supreme Court by, uh, I think it's June 13th. Um, there are firms that are still going to require their advisors to act under the fiduciary standard and others that have taken their foot off the gas and are leaving it up to the uh, individual advisor um, as to what standard they're going to adhere to. Got it. Okay. And that certainly makes sense. I mean, leave it up to the individual company to, to make their own decisions as to what's important and then sometimes leave it up to the individual advisor on how they want to how they want their relationship with 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 clients to be um you referenced retirement plans and then rollovers so that can mean when somebody leaves a retirement plan when they take the money out and roll it into an ira for example the advisor and how they're charging client there are more specific rules on that what about other kinds of financial products? How does how, how does how does the fiduciary rule, or rather, how does being a fiduciary, how does that work with other kinds of products? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great question. The uh, the fiduciary standard really isn't about the product that you use. It's more about the investor's uh, timeline and what they want to achieve, and whether or not you are willing to put any conflicts to the side. Um, to be able to help the investor get there. And so an example might be um, a product that, uh, that pays the advisor more than another uh, product or a similar product. If you're, under, if you're operating as a fiduciary, um, you are going to choose the product that helps the investor achieve their goal, irregardless of how much you are personally compensated. Under a suitability standard, two products that are the same and one that pays uh, the advisor more than another product, um, they can choose the one that pays them more, even though um, those fees may ultimately affect the, uh, the return that the investor is going, uh, going to achieve. Okay. And so under the scenario, if, if the advisor who is presenting to client two similar products a fiduciary would be legally bound to do what was in client's best interest and in that example provide them with the quality product that is less expensive that's correct got it okay well i think that certainly makes sense so all right so so how does a client know if they're if they're working with a fiduciary yeah it's a uh, you know that's a great question when when we were founded back in 99 it was to help bring a fiduciary standard of care uh, to the industry, irrespective of wealth or retirement. And the outgrowth of uh, creating a prudent investment process is an industry um, credential and designation that's called the Accredited Investment Fiduciary. Um, Many times you'll see it on uh, advisors' websites or the business cards as AIF. And then there's also the Accredited Investment Fiduciary Analyst or the AIFA designation. So the simplest way to find out if your advisor is working as a fiduciary is just to ask them. And if they can't tell you, um, you can ask them, um, you know, what credentials they have. So if they're a certified financial planner or a CFP, Um, you know, or you can come to the FI360 website and we have a tab that's called find a fiduciary. So you could enter in the advisor's name and see if they're 
one of our designees. We've got uh, just over 11,000 active designees who perform um, to a fiduciary standard of care. But, you know, George, the simplest way to do it is just to ask the advisor if they are a fiduciary. Got it. Okay. And that's always always the easiest thing is probably just, just simply to ask. So, <laughs> all right. Well, and, you know, it, it is simple, but I would tell you that I think that, you know, that many investors are misled by the title uh, that they might see on the uh, advisor's business card or under the assumption that some of the biggest and best known firms in the industry, that that person has to be acting as a fiduciary. That definitely is not the case. And so it always pays to ask if the advisor is a fiduciary and just as importantly, if, if whatever account you're speaking to them about, if they are acting as a fiduciary on that account. Got it. No. Perception, right? And mis- misconceptions. And, that's right. And, 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 and you're right. That's I, I was a little bit trite about just go ahead and ask, but that's, you know, people do avoid having conversations a lot of the time. So it, it's interesting to me. I was just, I was just thinking about um, some of the different challenges that, that we've had. Obviously, the, the, the financial collapse that happened about 10 years ago now. Um, the fiduciary standard, FI360, you are focused on the the world of financial advisors um, does does the fiduciary could eventually this spread over to other fields like like mortgage brokers for example you know I I, uh, I never really thought about it but in that context you know really if you think about it uh, anybody who's giving advice mm-hmm. um, I, I think that in general the general public, certainly likes to believe that those that are giving advice, you know, have a fiduciary backing, um, so to speak. But, you know, it's interesting. So uh, could mortgage brokers fall into that standard? Boy, I think that's a, you know, I think that that's a great idea. You could say, on the other hand, if you walk into a car dealership today and ask for some advice about a, uh, you know, a vehicle that they might have in stock, I think that everybody would understand (laughs) there that there's no... (laughs) You know, there's no fiduciary duty of care there, but would it be applicable to other industries? Absolutely. You know, and, and as we, you know, briefly discussed earlier, doctors, lawyers, CPAs, they already operate under that fiduciary standard. And I think, George, that that's one of the reasons why, you know, the vast majority of investors just believe that, they're op- that their um, advisor is operating as a fiduciary when, um, you know, without asking them that question or having it acknowledged in writing, uh, you just don't know. No, you certainly don't. And that's a great way to, great way to frame this conversation, um, particularly that of, of walking into a car dealership. And you and I are certainly not disparaging car dealers, but I would no. certainly want to know, particularly if I was buying a used vehicle, you know, if, if in fact the person that I was talking to was acting in my best interest and that way I wouldn't feel like I was, I was getting the wool pulled over my eyes. So I think that's a great way to think about it. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and I know that personally the last car that we bought was uh, a certified pre-owned. So just having that title, Mm -hmm. you know, made me feel better, but is that really substantiated in, uh, you know, case law or regulation? Probably not. And so what better way to go back to, again, really what, 
your 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 vision is to have every investor making sure that they're being represented by somebody who has their best interest in mind and and why wouldn't you want that as 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 the investor and i can i can speak from personal experience that i've been working in financial services for 17 years and during that time i've worked for insurance companies and i've worked for um independent registered investment advisory uh firms and I guess the point of that is that there are a lot of different kinds of folks walking around interacting with clients and talking to them about financial products and um, with different levels of expertise and different levels of skill and different motivations based on how they're compensated. So that's right. even more reason to, uh, to know legally that the people that you are taking financial advice from do in fact have your best interest in mind. So. Yeah, and you know, I know for me personally, it, it really hit home when uh, when my parents retired and my dad asked me to come in and speak with um, his financial advisor. And, you know, one of the first questions that I asked was about the asset allocation strategy that they had for my parents as they transitioned from, you know, accumulating to um, deaccumulation and making sure that the that uh, they wouldn't run out of money, but I also asked him how he was paid. And he looked me straight in the eye and told me that uh, it didn't cost my parents anything. And I've been around long enough to, uh, to really understand at a deep level that there's, you know, all the different share classes in mutual funds because my parents were exclusively in mutual funds. <laughs> and I looked him right in the eye and I told him that he wasn't telling me the truth because uh, there's always a cost to it. So you know, with my parents going through it, it became very, very personal to me um, to make sure that the end investor really understood how uh, the person that was providing them advice was uh, was compensated. What a yeah, what a what again, perfect way to frame that. So, need to ask people how they make money, how they're compensated. So, I love it. Well, Matt, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I got a big one, George, and it's not <laughs> going to be any surprise to you. When you get the opportunity to sit down and talk with your financial advisor, ask them if they're if they if they operate in a fiduciary um, manner. Ask them if they uh, are a fiduciary on your on your account. And if you haven't spoken with your advisor. Um, in the past six months, especially with all the changes that have occurred in the market over the past six months, um, you should really call them today and ask if they operate as a fiduciary. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. So thank you for that. And Matt, where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Yeah, the easiest way to find out anything about me or our firm is just just go to www.fi. 360.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Matt your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Take his take his advice, reach out to your advisors and ask them if they are, in fact, a fiduciary. Um, and go to FI360 and learn more about his organization. So, thank you again, Matt. Thanks, George. Have a great day. Yes. Until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.